everyone and welcome to Two V's and a Pod with me, Izzy the Vegan. And me, Ben's Vegan Kitchen. In this podcast, we'll walk you through the landscape of veganism through the eyes of two pretty relatable day-to-day vegans. And over the series, we plan on discussing a wide range of topics that you may have pondered upon whilst being vegan, or even whilst deciding to take the step. This week, we're discussing a topic that is going to bring a lot of nostalgia, travelling as a vegan. Yes, this episode is certainly one we have been really excited about recording. We both really miss being able to leave the UK and explore the vegan food scene overseas. Ben and I are going to chat about our vegan adventures abroad and share some of the best global vegan food we've tried. Later in the show, we're going to be joined by Sean, who you may know as the Fat Gay Vegan on Instagram and across all platforms, to learn from his experiences traveling as a vegan and curating his own cruise brand. So traveling is something I miss so much and I know you do as well Ben, we talk about it a lot, especially we both have family members that live abroad as well, so we are so eager to get on that plane or on that ferry and start finding some amazing vegan food abroad. I miss it so much and I just can't wait to have a little chat around it. I know, it's so weird isn't it? I mean, look, it it, it shows that we are both really lucky individuals and you know, we're privileged and I, I'm so aware of that and you know. I've never spent a year of my life like in one country, which is a crazy thing. Like I've never not traveled. I actually went away in September. So actually I've even kind of traveled in the last year or so as well. But yeah, it's just been, it's been so weird to, you know, the ability to just go anywhere has been something that we've always had, you know, not necessarily from a financial point of view, but that ability to be like, right, I want to go next week to France. I'm going to go. And we could just do that. Like, we've always been able to do that. Since when weren't we able to just go wherever we wanted? So it's been really hard, I think. But traveling as a vegan is something that can almost be harder, but is going to be a lot easier once you listen to this show, because we're going to tell you all the best places to go when you're vegan and you're going on holiday. Isn't that right? Yeah, that is absolutely correct. And I do feel on that one. I mean, I do love the adventure as well, but I just love a nice chilled holiday uh, where I eat loads of food. That, that's the best thing about going on holiday, isn't it? Eating. <laughs> it is the best thing. And it is crazy. Like my grandparents were saying that they didn't go on an airplane until they were adults. And here I am having, I went on an airplane when I was like 18 months old. It's just amazing. Like I do think I'm so lucky that I've been able to do that. But it is crazy, like generational wise, we are so much more in like traveling is a thing like gap yar, you know, became a thing. <laughs> and before it's just it was unheard of that people would travel this often. No, I know. And, you know, I think there was times where I would be going away like every month. I mean, I used to watch football and travel to go and watch football pretty religiously. Um, and if I didn't have something booked, like I'd be like, oh, I've got nothing to live for anymore. Like it would be ridiculous. Like, I'd come home from a holiday and be like, right. Where the hell are we going next? We need to book something in the next couple of weeks because it's that bug. Like it's it's exciting. Like uh, Wanderlust or I, think I was literally actually... going to say Wanderlust. Yeah. It is yeah. that, and I definitely I definitely had that, and I caught on to that the past couple of years when I went traveling around Europe. I was not vegan, so I kind of just ate as I pleased all across Europe. Um, however, since being vegan, I have been to France. I've been to Indonesia and America. But what about you? Where have you travelled since being a vegan? I've been so desperate to talk about this. So I actually turned vegan living in Tel Aviv because Israel is a tiny country, population of about nine, eight, nine million people, I think, something there or thereabouts. Um, but it has the largest vegan population in the world per capita. So I actually saw something that came up today on my LinkedIn page, which I think you will find super interesting. 
Vegan protein sales were more than 900% higher than animal protein in Israel last year. How incredible is that? 900% last year increase. Honestly, it is huge. And the stuff that I was eating out there, which was vegan, you know, it's so ahead of its time. Um, but, you know, over 10% of the population there identifies themselves as vegan. I think it's even more with like vegetarianism as well. That's incredible. So, like, it's huge, but you've got, you know, you've got a kind of picture where you are in the world like the cuisine is so vast over there it's actually insane but with the amount of fresh produce you get you know there's loads of farms um when you're getting uh, avocados like figs all these things from the supermarkets here in the uk a lot of the time it will come from israel um they mass produce loads of fresh produce which is amazing and middle eastern staples and before anyone criticizes me i'm not by any way stretch of the imagination saying that these dishes are Israeli. I'm saying these dishes are just popular in Israel. Israeli cuisine is very new. It's a hybrid of lots of different cuisines. And a lot of people do take offense when people call something an Israeli dish. But things that people eat in Israel, like falafel, like hummus, salads, all these things, they are traditionally vegan. Everyone loves hummus and falafel, but over there it's you know it's it's a it's a way of life. Do you know what time of day they eat hummus? They eat hummus for breakfast. Oh, eat- I need to move there. I need to move there. And also, we've had this conversation about falafel and how I'm yeah. not a big fan of falafel. So I think we need to book a trip away when the planes are allowed to fly, and we're gonna have some falafel. And I will happily eat hummus at breakfast. Yeah. Honestly, I used to live above a hummus, like, they're called, like, hummusarias. Like, you know, you've got, like, that area. It's Shut the same up. In... It's an actual, like, dedicated place for hummus. Yeah, they've, there's thousands of them in Israel. It's a place where you walk in. And the thing is, hummus, in this country, when you think of hummus, like, you know what the consistency is like. It's quite thick. It's quite gritty. Like, for me, that I don't really eat it. Like, for me, that's wallpaper paste. Like, it's not what hummus is. But I understand that that is what people have grown up as eating. You know, that hummus has been on the markets here for for 20, 30 years. But the Israeli-style hummus, that Middle Eastern-style hummus, it is just next level. It is velvety. It is so smooth. It is so creamy. And honestly, people out there, they eat it three ways. Traditionally with, you know, a pita bread, because pita and hummus, everyone knows that. The other two ways is with a fork. Like, literally, just eating it there with a fork. A fork, not a spoon. Not a spoon, a fork. And the third way is they give you a piece of, like, um, sweet, like, white onion, um, which, you know, they chop it into quarters, they put it out on the table, and you literally use the quarter of an onion as, like, a spoon to shovel hummus. And it just took a me a few... raw onion? Raw onion. Not, it took like, me a in while. vinegar or... No, any... completely raw. I think they soak it in water so it's not as, like, mm. harsh or acidic. But, yeah... Like the the culture over there just is so suited to vegan food. Um, yeah, I could go on. Honestly, we could do a whole show just about me living in Israel. <laughs> about but you it, just talking about I, all the amazing. I don't think anyone well. actually really wants to listen to just a, a show about me talking about my life. But yeah, <laughs> like over there, like veganism is so huge and it's so like not frowned upon. Like people don't have that same like mm, bacon kind of attitude towards it. Like it's embraced and. Um, you know, people over there are just super accepting of people. Like, if you want to do something different, great. You know, you do you. Like, let's do it together. Let's have some fun. Let's go for food. Because the whole culture is built around eating together and being together. Um, I shared something on my story on, on Instagram the other day about an Israeli saying that at the end of the week, they say Shabbat Shalom, which is to welcome in the Sabbath. The Sabbath is traditionally a time on a Friday. Everything shuts between Friday sundown and Saturday sundown. All the shops are shut. People, they just eat together with their family you go there on a friday night you have a big family meal you eat together and the saturday is the day of rest 
at the end of that you say Shavua Tov which means have a good week and uh, I was sharing that story but basically the reason I'm bringing this up now is because culturally there is all about you know sharing food and eating together because everyone everyone loves to eat but I want to ask you about France because look everyone knows French food and the one thing that everyone always knows about the French is they eat a lot of cheese however when you're vegan, you can't eat cheese, naturally. What's that been like going over to France since being vegan? Because I've not been since I've been vegan. I can imagine it to be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, when I first started going out, so my mum's lived in France for a fair couple of years now. And when I first started going out, it was very difficult. Mm. And I would literally bring vegan food from the UK across on the ferry in like ice bags. What, what would you bring? What would your staples be? <laughs> I'd bring I'd bring the classic kind of vegan sausages. I'd bring, what else would I bring? Like vegan cream, vegan butter, like all those sort of things that I could then whack in like a pasta dish. I'd bring kind nice. of vegan burgers. Cause I, we always have barbecues when I'm over in France. Like mum and her husband love doing a good old barbecue. So I'd bring tofu with me. Um, and then just mix and match with their cooking, but they're they're the kind of staples. Um, mm. But yes, I'd always bring my ice bag with all my vegan food. Oh, I'd also bring my almond milk and soy milk and whatever. Um, but it has got a lot better. And I was really surprised because actually Domino's in France introduced vegan options before Domino's in the UK did. Really? <laughs> um, so that was what, something I was super shocked about. But yeah, I mean, it is difficult eating out. So their supermarkets are getting a lot better and they have uh, like, it's called the bio coop or something. I'm not going to say it right. My French is awful, but it's like <laughs> bio and then C-O-O-P or something like that. And basically that store is mind blowing. It's amazing. It's like dedicated to like organic food, vegan food, fresh produce. And they've got huge fridges just filled with vegan alternatives. Like they have all this amazing tofu, seitan. It's oh, phenomenal. Amazing. Like, even like better than UK supermarkets because it's a store dedicated to it. So mm. mum would drive me like an hour to get there so we can stock up. But I mean, she lives in the middle of nowhere. So an hour's drive just isn't really an issue. But yeah, eating out was really hard. Um, and I have this one memory. We went to a restaurant. Usually we go to the same pizza restaurant and they know us there. I bring my own vegan cheese and they put it Love on that. for me, which is so lovely and we've always gone there and then we went to go out for a meal and it was closed and I was so gutted so we had to go somewhere else and we were trying to explain to the guy that I didn't want the cream in the pasta and he just wasn't getting it and I don't think a lot of people to be fair they do live in the middle of nowhere it's not like they're in Paris or so and he just kept saying go on you know you want to just have it in like I won't tell anyone and it, I think he kind of saw veganism as a diet not as mm. a lifestyle and it got to the point where it just became really awkward because I kept saying, I don't, I don't want it in there. And it, it was just, it was really stressful and it was quite embarrassing because then I kind of felt uncomfortable as if I was being awkward and annoying. So in the end, yeah, I think I just, that. yeah, I think I just ordered a salad or something, but it, it is, it is getting better there and I don't have to take my own products anymore. I mean, I don't um, think you can anymore. There was that whole like faff around uh, lorry drivers like driving across and they were taking away like their like ham sandwiches and stuff like that. Really? And, oh, uh, I always take my cooler back to France. Yeah, no, but I think, I, I think a lot of the stuff actually is, I think vegan food actually is going to be okay because there was, I think it's Love Satan 
they made a load of sandwiches for these stranded lorry drivers because um, it's not like livestock and it's not like an animal product, so it doesn't need to have any like stringent EU checks. So actually, yeah. it might be a bit harder, but as long as you can prove mm. you're a saucisson of vegan, yeah, I think. Look, it, let's be honest. The the UK is is so far ahead of everywhere else in Europe at the minute in terms of veganism because we just have everything everywhere you know we talked about already before in the show you know my my local tesco's now in in hertfordshire has nooch and that's the small tesco's like things like that for me are like completely wild um but it's always amazing to go to places and and find new things and for me since i've been vegan um in march 2019 we went to new york for like four or five days and for me that was just such a cool experience because america america always have everything don't they um, yeah. They always have things before other people. And some of the vegan food I had over there was unbelievable. There was this one little, um, you know, in America, like everything's like a, like, it's so weird, especially in New York. They love food so much there that every shop I went into was also like a restaurant. So imagine you go into like your local corner shop and, you know, you go, I want to get like a couple of beers and, you know, whatever you go to, literally your local shop. But like in every one of these shops in America, they've got some guy with a grill making sandwiches and making all this sort of stuff. <laughs> I love it. It was great. But there was this one place and I still follow them on Instagram because this is the only place I really want to go back to in America. It's called Orchard's Grocer. And it was literally a vegan shop, but they had a deli, like all these other shops had a deli. And we went there, I think three times in five days. And they had just these sandwiches like uh, like egg and bacon and like smoked salmon. And like, it was just like, it's a sandwich. It literally is a sandwich, but I would travel Hear me out. I will travel to fucking New York over the Atlantic Ocean to eat this sandwich again. Was it vegan? I, so, when you say egg, it was bacon, ve- yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, all vegan, like oh, egg, that's vegan. that's so cool. Yeah, I had my first like vegan egg in Vegas, Las Vegas. So that's you saying, obviously, you went vegan abroad. I went vegan abroad as well in, well, I did like my trial month and then I kind of picked it up later on. But I did my trial month veganism in Las Vegas and then in LA. And I had my first vegan egg. It was the scrambled tofu and I've still got the video to this day of me because I filmed myself trying it and I was literally mind blown by this vegan egg sandwich because I was just I was just shook like America well obviously Vegas and LA LA is amazing for vegan food so I was literally just living my best life like cafe gratitude amazing. is amazing they had amazing vegan food just everywhere you went was crazy good it's great but you know in europe there's a lot of places um which are good um but there's also a lot of places which i think are really difficult so where has been the most difficult place you've been so far since you've been vegan i think it would have to say i would have to say france just because it was really difficult at the start and eating out is still pretty impossible like it's fine going to the supermarket but i love eating out um so i would have to say france would be my most difficult country i would say my favorite country since being vegan i'm gonna flip it and say indonesia i could again talk a whole episode around vegan food in Indonesia you've got your classic Bali but then I traveled across Indonesia for seven weeks starting at the capital and working my way through and their culture of street food is just incredible like every street you walk down there are so many people and they walk along kind of carrying their huge street food carts and they're all so friendly and so lovely and they make the most beautiful food and literally you can get like the most lovely tofu and rice for like 10p equivalent mad isn't it it's so good and their tempeh there is just 
obviously phenomenal because tempeh is is indonesian and i love how you said it cost 10p and then you went straight to being like oh god yeah tempeh i said tempeh, and you about tempeh. <laughs> tempeh that reminds me but i did like a cookery um course there and i still have the recipe book and i still make recipes um and they inspired me so much their way of cooking their just lifestyle around it was amazing and i i could talk endlessly but indonesia for vegan food especially in bali like changu is like heaven for vegans everything about indonesia is just beautiful if you want to learn more about it just go onto my feed i dedicated like a whole week posting around all the vegan food there because otherwise we'll be here for hours but for sure phenomenal. i think we i think instagram also needs to see this video of you trying this uh, vegan egg in uh, oh yeah i'll find LA, it i'll dig it out Las Vegas. yeah <laughs> that's definitely what i want to see what about you what's the place you've been that's been the hardest when you were vegan i think i've mentioned it before as well um but i've been there now three times since turning vegan in three years and every time i'm like i'm not going back because i cannot eat anything and it's spain i knew um, say that yeah yeah spain is just it's been really hard um actually i think the last time i went i went to madrid and actually it wasn't so bad um there was quite a few options that had kind of cropped up a little bit but like pretty much every time um, i also went to marbella for a wedding last september no the september before that so like nearly yeah a year and a half ago and there was a few places out in marbles but you know obviously that's quite it's like quite a bait place where a lot of bait people go. So there was always <laughs> yeah. going to be a, a few options. But yeah, Spain is just really difficult. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend it, but I'd, I'd like to hope it's getting better. I think, you know, you go to Madrid or Barcelona or like a big city. Um, I've been to Madrid, to Seville and Barcelona since being vegan and they've all been really hard. Um, yeah. Actually, I tell a lie, I've been to Madrid, Barcelona, Seville and Marbella. I've been four times to the country. I keep saying I'm not going to go back to it. It's the most I've been anywhere since turning vegan and it's the hardest place. I've got to stop going. Why do I keep going to Spain? Stop me. I cannot be stopped. Um, I'll flip it as well because you flipped it. Um, I'm going to say, look, obviously, you know my answer is Tel Aviv, but I'm not going to big up Tel Aviv anymore. Um, So actually, I'm going to say Budapest because I've been to Budapest a couple of times since being vegan. And honestly, Budapest, I've been a couple of times since going vegan and They've just got amazing options everywhere. Um, it's it's again somewhere very like you know liberal and you know free free thinking. Um, so they're quite accepting of it. And actually, probably still, and I say it to this day, the best meal I've had since going vegan was in a restaurant in Budapest. And they genuinely like this is a true story. Um, it was my uh, fiance's birthday at the time. And we went to a restaurant. I don't remember what it's called um, off the top of my head, but I will remember in a few moments. And I said to them, like, you know, we're, we're vegan. Will you make something specifically? And they were like, yeah, absolutely, no problem. So they made us a whole menu specifically. And it was just hands down the best meal I've ever had in my That's life. That's so is, lovely. Wow. Imagine yeah. asking for that in the UK. They'd be like, no fucking way. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. And actually, a, a few people I know have been to Budapest, not vegans, and they've gone there and they've all had just the most unbelievable meal. So yeah, I would definitely say there, but... Um, there's one place I really want to go, which I know in Europe is a hub for veganism, um, and that's Berlin. Yeah, Germany is... I was just looking at the list, and United Kingdom is top. This is just, like, top most popular countries for veganism. And there's, like, United Kingdom is top, then Australia, then Israel, Austria, New Zealand, then Germany, Sweden, Switzerland. Some of them yeah. I wouldn't have imagined, but... Yeah, there's some rogue ones on there. But, like, Berlin is meant to be, like, mentally good for veganism, and I think... Um, that's top of my list for some point, maybe late summer, um, if yeah. we can go, um, just to pop over and just literally 
just film myself eating for like three days. And, <laughs> that sounds yeah. like such a good idea. I It's a shame because when I did travel Europe, I, I went to like Budapest, I went to Prague, I went to Berlin, I went to so many places and I wasn't vegan. But I mean, I had amazing mm. food there anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> pre-vegan. But I'd love to kind of do that kind of trip again, being vegan. I'd, I would love to go to Australia and that is number number two on amazing places for veganism and i've heard such amazing things for their like vegan food scene so i would love to go to australia i've been watching a lot of married at first sight australia though so i know a lot about uh yeah i know a lot about that kind of culture but it's probably not quite the same (laughs) but india i would like india is on my wish list as well because obviously their food is inherently um great for vegans and obviously we live in the UK and we have an amazing vegan food scene here but we do need to remember that veganism did not start in the UK like it's it's not our thing um and there's so many amazing countries that offer amazing vegan food and have done for years and years and years and years um and I would just love to go and travel and try so much and the list is endless Do you have any tips, Ben, for traveling as a vegan? Yeah, obviously, you know, I think try and travel as much as you can. It's great to see the world and experience other cultures. But um, something that I, I mean, I'm a, a ridiculous, ridiculous, that's not a word. <laughs> I am ridiculous when it comes to planning holidays. So um, whenever I'm going somewhere, I always do far too much research, um, way more than I ever should. Um, so, yeah, I would always say, like, look up the places where you can go ahead of time Um Happy Cow is normally great to, to look up places um, that are vegan. Actually, here's another really good tip for traveling is what I do is because, you know, when you're abroad, you don't always have phone signal. So what you should do, and this is a really good just travel tip in general, is on Google Maps on your phone, if you star restaurants, which is what I do. So I star loads of restaurants that I want to visit and you can still view those starred um, restaurants in offline mo- offline mode as long as you've downloaded the map. So, for example, when I went to New York, I starred all these restaurants that I wanted to try. I downloaded the map of New York so I could still see where I was going. And if I was hungry, I'd go on the map, see where I was near, and just pop into one of those places. That's so- such, yeah, that's definitely what Cal and I did when we were, when we were in Indonesia because we didn't have internet unless we were connecting to Wi-Fi in our hostels. So we exactly. would always save the maps offline. Um, yeah. But, yeah, just have a look at travel bloggers online as well like there's loads of amazing blogs online um where they talk about certain foods i know that when i was in indonesia i looked a lot at blogs online um and instagram is a great place just search search the hashtag of the country and vegan and you'll find loads of inspiration so research 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 is key do not go to a country being a vegan without having researched it first because you can find yourself stuck Our guest this week is Sean, a man of many talents in the vegan food scene. Yes, Sean is the creator of the Vegan Food Cruise, as well as a columnist for the Vegan Life Mag, and runs his own Twitter and Instagram blog titled Fat Gay Vegan. If you want to hear about new vegan products on the scene, Sean is your guy. His page is the place to go. So, Sean, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We are really excited to chat to you all around vegan food and vegan travel. We're all foodies. There's no denying that. So we would love to hear what your dream vegan three-course meal would be. I know it's a toughie whistling it down to one starter, a main and dessert, but can you do that for us? I am so obsessed with potato. (laughs) <laughs> that it is, I don't know why, but I always have been since a child. And um, I absolutely um, adore 
um, potato. So potato would have to feature in the starter and the main. I've yet to find a dessert that features potato. I don't know if you've got <laughs> if you've got any tips for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, for me, um, potato is my dream. I'm, I'm currently working alongside a, a restaurant called Make No Bones in Sheffield, in the north of England. I've been and, there. Oh, okay. Well, it's fantastic cuisine, and uh, the the thing that I'm obsessed with eating at the moment uh, is a dish called three cheese fries. So it's like crispy French fries with three different types of vegan cheese on, including a hot cheese sauce. And so to me, that is like my ultimate go-to meal. And I know that's only really a starter, but um, that I've sometimes had as a meal with a tiny little salad on the side. (laughs) (laughs) A small salad on the side. (laughs) Yeah, but I've also got like a real um, sweet tooth, but I'm quite basic in my tastes, even though I'm sort of famous for overeating. I'm... I've made a name out of overeating, but I really am quite basic and I'll often eat the same things over and over. So tonight uh, I plan to make gnocchi uh, with nutritional yeast <laughs> and um, maybe fan. some um, like fresh spinach mixed through. And um, I just had some rye bread with tahini. I know that this sounds so boring and it sounds so vegan, but <laughs> I, I really am quite a simple down-to-earth eater. I'm not into like fancy meals or even gigantic meals. I like to eat a lot, um, but sort of more spread out into like little snacks instead of big. So when you ask about a three-course meal, it sounds a little um, decadent to me, but um, <laughs> yeah, anything with potato and then... Um, just give me something basic like maybe an apple crumble with um, vegan vanilla ice cream at, at the that end. That sounds good. Yeah, I think you can make um, brownies from sweet potato. I oh, think yeah, I've actually, seen people do that like sweet potato brownies. So maybe yeah, that could true. be a dessert. Okay. Thanks for helping me wrangle in uh, potato <laughs> yeah, and, into and, my and third course. You can also use like sweet potato as like a toast. So you could literally have a three course potato meal. You could have like a sweet potato toast with the tahini to start. You could have the chips for a main and you can have the sweet potato brownie for dessert. That sounds great. You guys have got all the good ideas. I can see why you're in the business here. You've got a lot of good ideas. But yeah. you know, I really also, it just reminded me, I've had, I recently had potato on pizza for the first time. And okay. I really enjoyed that. Like thin slices of potato uh, uh, with cheese and onion on uh, pizza. Perfect. I always see potato on a pizza, but I always veer away because they're normally like the white base pizza. And I just can't really get around the white base. I only really like tomato ones. But yeah, if it's got your seal of approval and you know, you're obviously a man of, of many potatoes, I, I think that's the, uh, <laughs> the seal of approval we need. But see, I'm also not one of these potato snobs. Well, you know how people know about different varieties of potatoes? <laughs> I'm like, a potato's a potato. I'm Just not... give me any potato, yeah. I'm fine. It's like, you know, people who are like, they know about different wines or they know about wine pairing. If people want to come to me for expert advice on potato, I can't give it. <laughs> I, just know that, I just know that I love it. It's like when people say... Oh, I don't know much about art. I just know what I like. I'm like that about potatoes. No, that's fair enough. I said something super controversial on Instagram at the weekend, and I'm going to own up to it now and say it to you as a potato lover. I had a lot of people in my DMs very angry at me, but I said that potato does not belong at breakfast. And I said that I do not like hash browns. And the uproar it created was outrageous. What a ridiculous thing to say. Well, where, where did you grow up? Like, how were you socialised into your love of potato? Um, I just grew up south of England. I, we just never had hash browns at breakfast. Do you think it's more like a US thing? 
I don't know, because there's the the US hash brown is very different to the UK hash brown. Their hash brown is often like uh, like cubed square potatoes and like chopped up with peppers and stuff, whereas ours is like more like a potato rosti, I guess, you know. Yeah, I just never, I just don't think it belongs at breakfast. Have you ever had like breakfast potatoes, um, like you maybe parboil them or you put them in the oven and then you serve them up with like uh, guacamole? It's like, uh, sort of like loaded potatoes. Yeah, I, I used to love uh, when I used to eat eggs, like a uh, huevos ranchos, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I'm uh-huh. sure that's a potato base with peppers and eggs and Amazing. The greatest breakfast you can ask for. I'll have to give it a try. I'll give cued potato at breakfast a try soon and I will let you guys know what I think. Yeah, pop some um, caps, uh, like peppers in. I went to say capsicum then. Another thing you have to forgive (laughs) me for, I keep slipping into different words for things because I'm from (laughs) Australia and um, I've lived in the UK for a long time. I've lived in Mexico. I've traveled all over and I get confused about what vegetables are called what in different (laughs) countries so i almost said capsicum then which is very australian of me um but yeah peppers and onion and garlic and potato if you like scrambled tofu you can it's perfect alongside i do okay it's gonna happen i'm gonna do that soon should we should we just suck off all the questions and just talk about potatoes for the next like (laughs) half an hour because i feel like we could actually make that a really great episode because everyone the (laughs) potato is so versatile it's pasta it's rosties it's it's mash, it's 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 chips, it's hash browns, it's waffles. It's crisps. It's crisps. It's so... So many things. Well, I, I released a book, uh, I had a book published about two years ago, and it was quite niche. Uh, obviously, my blog is called Fat Gay Vegan, and the, the book was called Fat Gay Vegan, and it was a, a guide to uh, living a compassionate life, not just being a vegan, but sort of taking it a bit further and talking about social justice. But the publisher was so... Um, insistent that at the end of each chapter I have some sort of little food idea to tie it together so the book wasn't about food in general but I had a uh, a food idea um, and I think a couple of those little ideas at the end of chapters were about potatoes so I'm, I'm <laughs> of thinking course. I wonder if I could do a vegan cookbook just about potatoes you should do that I would buy it 100% but anyway enough about potatoes uh, because as I said we can really talk about this all day we want to know more about you and obviously our listeners will want to know more about you we know you as as you said the fat gay vegan on instagram um and we love to see your reviews and you know your columns in the vegan life mag and all these sorts of things how did you get there like where did that start and one other question i do want to ask is how come you don't follow anyone back well as a a international superstar no um... (laughs) (laughs) do you know when i started fat gay vegan 10 over 10 years ago now my blog started Wow. So, like, I'm the old granddaddy. I mean, people can't see me right now, but I've got a grey beard. So, (laughs) you know, when I started this, uh, Instagram wasn't really a thing. Can you imagine a time in history when Instagram wasn't what it is now? Uh, Everyone was was happy. (laughs) I know, people had a life. People had a sense of dignity. But I... (laughs) I was a lot of my time obviously was taken up writing the blog and running events and um, outreach that I did. But a lot of my time was taken up with the social media side of that. And that was mostly Twitter and Facebook. And so a few years into maybe about two years into my uh, career as Fat Gay Vegan, I decided that I needed to get involved in Instagram. But I just didn't have any more time to be involved with it on a personal level. And so I started to post and share content and use it to help promote my events, but I couldn't follow anybody. I've always kept it at zero. 
because I know how much I got sucked into the other platforms. And even now with Twitter, I mean, I'm on it so many hours a day. I, that's where I find my news out. You know, this is how I found out today about, um, you know, what I'm going to cook for dinner tonight. So I saw something posted on, on Twitter. And I know people use Instagram like that. And because it's really visual, it is so easy to become dependent on that as a form of entertainment. And I didn't want to do it to myself. So it's really not that I think I'm better than everybody or better <laughs> than 68,000 people that follow me. But I feel that I need to keep some boundaries because being fat gay vegan already has taken over my life in so many other ways. And I just didn't want that to happen with Instagram. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair enough. And obviously you're talking about your business um, and this episode is centered around travel. Um, so where did your love for travel begin? And like, how did the idea come up for your vegan food cruise, which I really want to go on. So COVID needs to end. Well, so you know, you, and me, you and me both, because we put a lot of work into developing that uh, the cruises and vegan culinary cruises is the name of the business. But we were just about to launch and we were booking uh, spots on the cruise and COVID happened. So there was a lot of development, about a year and a half development that sort of is now on hold until everyone can get vaccinated and it's considered safe to travel again. But I, well, everything I do as Fat Gay Vegan is about people, I'm helping people feel good about going vegan and making people want to stay vegan. And that's everything I've done from um, events. I've run beer, vegan beer festivals around the UK um, over the last 10 years. I've run weekly food markets in London, the really famous Hackney Downs vegan market. You know, so for me on oh, social events like London Vegan Drinks and London Vegan Potluck. So for me, the cruise um, idea or exploring vegan travel was like an extension of that. It was something that I could do that maybe hadn't been done to its full extent. There are people who've been following me for 10 years and on social media, and now they may be a little bit older or they've got some money to spend <laughs> and they want to do something other than just go and stand around a car park and hackney and eat vegan donuts. <laughs> I mean, that sounds wonderful, right? But they want to do things as a vegan that everybody else can do. And so I was really drawn to that and I was approached by a travel company who liked what I did online and, and uh, had read my book. And they said to me, we'd like to develop a vegan arm of what we do. Um, how would you like to have a meeting with me? And it was great. I mean, they're based in Seattle and they run cruises and travel adventures for different niche groups. Like they do um, like kosher cruises and uh, uh, getaways for teenagers, all, all sorts of stuff. And so we developed this arm of their business that is just for vegan travel. And we just need the, the world to get better and then we can start that up again. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea because we've been talking earlier in the episode about, you know, the, 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 the complications of traveling as a vegan because it's not always so um, straightforward to be able to just go somewhere and be like, right, I can just eat um, whatever you want. So I guess in, in terms of your experience as a, you know, a, a well-traveled person, where would you say is your favorite place that you've been for vegan food? I think my favorite place to go for vegan food is uh, a spot that a lot of vegans would agree with me, and that's Los Angeles in California. It really is sort of like the where it all began in a way. I've, I've been traveling to LA for over 20 years, and it's 
Um, and I've been vegan for over 20 years. So I've really seen that that was the one place on the planet that was uh, always a few years ahead of everywhere else. I mean, there are places like Berlin as well, New York, and a few places in Southeast Asia as well. But for me personally, I was always drawn to the vegan scene in um, California, especially LA. And, you know, it's everything about it. It's not just the food, but it's the culture. I mean, that's where the original vegan beer festival started years ago, well over 10 years ago, and was the inspiration behind my events in the UK. And so to me, they've always been world leaders when it comes to promoting and celebrating vegan lifestyles. I can't imagine veg veganism 20 years ago. Well, lucky for me, it was just a lot of potato. <laughs> always potato. When you do things like go to New York or Berlin or LA, and you come back to the UK, we did feel a little bit behind everywhere else. And so I was really driven to create these opportunities like markets and social events and beer festivals to help drag the vegan movement forward. Of course, there were people doing it for decades before me um, and doing outreach and um, vegan campaigning to help people uh, feel good about veganism. But I wanted to take it to that next level like you know, what we saw when we went to places like LA and make it feel a bit more modern. Yeah, it sounds great. What What was your favourite thing to eat, you know, 20 years ago in LA? What type of things could you find? Because I'm just picturing like bean burgers and things like that. Oh, no, there was, I mean, they were really ahead of the time. There was a place on Sunset called California Vegan and it was like a Thai restaurant, but they also had a lot of US style breakfast food. So I used to go for vegan chicken and pancakes with maple syrup wow and that was that was two decades ago so. that's crazy was it was it was it seitan chicken uh yeah like you know how you get um vegan chicken now that's like soya and vegetable protein mm. yeah that it was it was that so yeah and the first time i ever ate seitan was in la and um i didn't know what was going on I was, <laughs> it was like revolutionary uh, I, I still feel like that whenever i eat seitan don't worry yeah it's a wonderful thing what is your um, favorite cuisine would you say i think probably mexican food um having spent a lot of time in mexico and my partner is mexican and he uh, veganizes a lot of his family's recipes for me and so we eat extremely well and i just love the versatility of it the, obviously it's delicious it's very much um, vegan based anyway there's a lot of beans and obviously the tortillas are made from corn and it's what you put in it and how you flavor it that makes it special and so to me it's very adaptable and it's one of the types of cuisines that are most suited to veganizing yeah it sounds yeah i mean i think you're right we, we all make it so often as well um and as you say the versatility is great um we talked a little bit earlier in the show about some of the challenges that we faced um traveling as a vegan what sort of stuff have you faced and, and what kind of tips around that can you give to people to overcome it it's changed so much right like when i first started flying to the usa you couldn't get plant-based milks on airplanes i mean now it seems almost strange to think but most planes would have either soy or almond and 
that was just getting to where you were going. Like there were, there was never any vegan meals on the airplane. You, I would have to take my own food. And that's something as an old school vegan that I still do. I can't break the habit. So when <laughs> I fly, I've got snacks. I've got a sandwich that I've made. It's wrapped up in a little plastic box. I've got, um, you know, some mixed nuts and I've got uh, some en- energy bars. I normally, now the food's pretty good on airplanes. So I normally end up getting to my destination with all of my snacks uh, <laughs> intact. So that'll be my meal on the first night I get there. But I think the best way to, if you're going somewhere where you're not sure uh, what's going to happen at the other end, the number one resource for me is Happy Cow, um, happycow.net. It's obviously the, a user-driven database online of vegan and vegan-friendly businesses all over the planet. And it is quite exhaustive. You can't really uh, miss something if you use Happy Cow. And to me, I've been using that the whole time that I've been vegan and it's been um, sensational. And they've even created an app version for your phone so you can use it on the go. You can log in and it will tell you if you're if there's anything vegan within a certain distance of where you're standing. Um, it's great. A lot of vacations I've done involve Airbnb. So I make sure I've got my own kitchen. <laughs> so, you know, that's a that's an old school trick where if you have if you're somewhere for a week or two and you're not sure how. Um, prevalent vegan food is going to be you can cook at home you know you can find snacks and and fruit and things out when you're out and about but you know really that sounds so old-fashioned to say that because there are not many places you go on the planet now whether where there isn't vegan food right you know like even in mexico city where when i first started going there there wasn't much vegan food around that was um, you know, like purposefully vegan or... The yeah, vegan just accidentally restaurant. vegan. Yeah, there was accidental, accidental vegan food. But now there are about 90 to 100, 100% vegan places in Mexico City. Alone. Wow, or that's I incredible. Look, I was just looking in Manchester and I think there are 29 vegan places in Manchester now. And, um, and in Sheffield, I mean, there are over a dozen. And five years ago or 10 years ago that wouldn't have been the case and so now i don't feel like we need to panic as much but there's the sorts of things you know when you're traveling or you're stuck in the airport or you wind up at um, a destination and you're not sure maybe the language that's spoken there is in your language it's now you can go into places like starbucks and you know you're going to be able to get something vegan to eat and this is all over the world now and it's just revolutionized how people uh, eat and how they have access to veganism and we didn't have that 20 years ago. And um, so I don't think I really need to give any tips to people because everything's there for us now. The The tough part is, you know, knowing in your heart and your mind that it's the right thing to do and sticking to it when you're traveling. I mean, you can do cute little things like maybe Google translate some common phrases, like for the place where you're going, like I don't drink milk or, you know, <laughs> no, you know no eggs for me, please. And, um, but... Apart from that, you, you'd be hard-pressed to go to a major city now and be stuck for food. It just doesn't seem to happen. Yeah, 100%. I would love to know, obviously, your vegan cruises. What countries um, did you have lined up for these cruises? Um, well, our first cruise uh, was meant to um, finish in Budapest, which was going to be a wonderful um, journey there. And it was meant to be also a celebration of my 10 years of being Fat Gay Vegan. Oh, wow. And so I'm a little bit sad that that's uh, come and gone without being celebrated. But um, so we're also 
uh, we've got the the cruisers lined up that are put on hold, but we're also branching into uh, land tours as well because we're not sure how quickly the cruise business is going to come back or get back on its feet or get its sea legs. I suppose is the uh, the term. Uh, we've we're starting to plan trips throughout the U.S. as well, like land tours. So we had one plan for May, which doesn't look like it's going to happen now but it was going to be um, the Grand Canyon and it was going to be a seven-day desert adventure and we'll have our vegan chefs come in and you do day trips and then come back and have your three-course meal at night at the hotel so we're going to have river cruises throughout Europe but also land tours throughout the USA and North America as well. So we, we talked we talked about it before earlier in the show about where we want to go next once all is safe and you know everything's kind of gone back to a bit more of a a normal way of life. But where's where's the first place on your list that you want to go to? I want to go to um, Barcelona, and not only is it one of the best vegan food scenes on the planet, but I just need some sunshine. Do you know with um. It's really hard for people outside the UK to understand that lockdown is double, like doubly as hard or maybe 10 times as hard in the winter. Um, you know, you're not going outside much. There's no sunlight coming in your window. I just want to go somewhere sunny. And Barcelona is one of those places where I've been many times over the last 20 years and I've really watched the vegan scene blossom there. But I also want to just go sit on the beach. Uh, the, the, the main beach down there is gorgeous. The scenery is stunning. It's one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. And um, I would love to be there again. And I want to go back and check out uh, the vegan scene. Last time I was there a couple of years ago, there's a, a late night vegan bar had opened. So you could go in and there were, they had live bands um, or music, jukebox, but they also had a vegan food menu that was available until like 1am. So you could go in for cocktails and like vegan hot dogs and fries. And to me, that's just like perfect. You know, it was in the entertainment district part of Barcelona. And, you know, that really speaks to my sensibilities. I love that sort of thing, like where you can go out for a night out and you can still be vegan. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We've absolutely loved chatting to you around all things vegan food, potatoes and travel. Um, this is your chance just to tell our followers or our listeners where they can find you um, and when things settle down with COVID and things start getting slightly back to normal, where they can research into your cruises as well. Okay, well, I'd love for people to visit the cruise website is vegan And actually, um, in the spirit of remaining hopeful, we do biweekly blogs over there. Uh, we have our favorite uh, food, vegan food photos each week that we share on Friday that we collect from Instagram. And we also have our favorite um, travel photos as well every Tuesday. So we do travel Tuesdays and food Fridays over on the veganculinarycruises.com website. And that's a way to keep people um, hopeful, give them something to look at, and obviously keep people coming to our website. <laughs> uh, but my blog still runs, it's fatgayvegan.com, and people can follow me on social media anywhere at fatgayvegan. The only thing I haven't done so far uh, is TikTok. I think I'm maybe too old. <laughs> Don't worry, I feel too old as well. I haven't done that either. I'm not branching out to TikTok. <laughs> Also, I write um, a monthly column for Vegan Life magazine. I've been doing that for about six years, I think. So you can check me out there and see some of my opinions. Um, at the moment, I'm helping some vegan businesses in Sheffield. Uh, Make No Bones, Saucy and La Fonda, which is a vegan Mexican 
uh, restaurant, all owned by the same people who own Make No Bones. So please check them out. And if you're coming to Sheffield, let me know and I'll hook you up with um, some delicious uh, vegan Mexican food as well. But um, apart from that, yeah, follow me on Instagram at FatGayVegan. I won't follow you back though. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening this week. We really hope this has inspired you to add to your travel wish list. It was so great chatting to Sean all about his expertise traveling as a vegan. If you want to check him out, then remember to head over to at FatGayVegan, at VeganFoodCruise, and of course at VeganLife underscore Mag. This show was produced and edited by Callum Goddard Mocklow for Apricot Audio. And we'll be back next week with another episode for you. But in the meantime, please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Available on all podcast platforms such as Apple, Spotify and Acast. And if you want to keep up to date with all the latest happenings, then remember to follow us both on Instagram at Izzy the Vegan and at Ben's Vegan Kitchen. We'll see you next week. See you later.